Welcome to the Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. So we've got intercession covered. That's what we talked about last week. So far in these lessons, we've talked about communion, faith, intercession. And tonight, I want to talk about persistence in prayer. I want to talk about persistence in prayer. I wanted to start with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I like Spurgeon, if you can't tell. I like Spurgeon, especially when we're talking about prayer. Listen, Charles Spurgeon had a lot of things to say that were really good about a lot of stuff. If you want to hear somebody talk about the power of prayer, you want to look at what Charles Spurgeon said about prayer. The man knew how to pray. He knew the importance of prayer. I saw a quote today, actually, just a few minutes before I came to church. He said, I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Because Charles Spurgeon understood that there's power in prayer. But he said, frequently the richest answers are not the speediest. I'll testify to that. A prayer may be all the longer on its voyage because it is bringing us a heavier freight of blessing. Delayed answers are not only trials of faith, but they give us an opportunity of honoring God by our steadfast confidence in Him under apparent repulses. Charles Spurgeon understood that sometimes we don't always get what we ask for the first time. He understood that sometimes when we pray... God doesn't move instantaneously for whatever reason. Or maybe God moves and the answer just doesn't show up. Remember in Daniel 10 when Gabriel came to uh, Daniel, he said, Man dearly beloved, I like that, man dearly beloved and highly favored. He said that from the moment you prayed, the answer was sent. But I got hung up and I got caught in warfare and I was battling to get here. It took him 21 days, 21 earthly days. Who knows how long that is in the spiritual realm, or, or maybe that's shorter, I don't know, but it took him 21 earthly days to get to Daniel with the answer, because he was caught up in the midst. It wasn't that God wasn't answering his prayers, it wasn't that God wasn't moving, it wasn't that God wasn't hearing the prayers, God had already sent the answer, but it took 21 days to get there because of some stuff that he got caught up in. So I want to encourage you tonight, before we even get into this, that if you've been praying and if you've been believing, if you've been asking and if you've been trusting and if you've heard from God that He's moving on your behalf, trust in that and lean into that because sometimes the answers don't come right away, but they always come. Tonight I want to start with the basis of persistent prayer. The basis of persistent prayer is not our efforts. I think we have to be careful when we talk about things like persistent prayer Because there's a tendency when we talk about persistent prayer to say that because I pray more or because I pray often or because I continue to pray, that causes the prayer answer to come. And that's not necessarily the case. James did say you have not because you ask not, but I want you to understand that prayer is always sourced in who the Father is. It is always sourced in His identity as our Father. Matthew 6, 7, and 8, Jesus is teaching them about prayer. And he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. King James Version calls this vain repetitions. As the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The word for vain repetitions here literally means to stutter or to stammer. But the implication here 
is to unnecessarily talk at length. I want you to know that Jesus doesn't condemn repetitious prayer. Jesus does not condemn repeated prayer. Jesus condemns vain repetitions. The Gentiles thought, here in this case, the Gentiles thought, if we pray more, it will result in more. If we speak more, if we talk more, if we use more words, it's going to result in more. And they had the source of the prayer wrong. Jesus said it is not in that your offering many words produces God to do more. It is sourced in who He is. Jesus goes on to say, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus saying there's one reason prayer gets answered. And it's because you've got a good Father. You've got a good Father who knows what you need of even before you ask. And as your good Father, He positions Himself to respond to the cries of His children. He positions Himself to move at the cries of His children. Yes, repetition, yes, prayer that is persistent, it, it gets at the heart of God. But let's not be so boastful that we think, I can pray X number of times and it'll cause God to move. Repetition in prayer is not bending the arm of God to get Him to move on our behalf. Persistence in prayer is an expression of our faith in who He is. Persistence in prayer is an expression of our understanding that He is a good Father. And we are His children. And as His children, we are rightly positioned to receive from Him. That we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Paul said in Ephesians that we have been bought for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. The word, the phrase there for the adoption to sonship, it represents a full uh, legal adoption under the Roman law. What does that mean? That means that traditionally when you were a, a, a slave or when you were not in a family, you carried around burdens and you carried around debts. And those debts and those burdens were associated with your name. When Paul says the Roman, the Roman term for a full Roman citizen adoption ship here, what he's talking about is a legal adoption that gives you a new name, but also a new identity. And with the new identity comes a clean slate. With the new identity comes a clean start. All of the debts are wiped away and you have full legal citizenship and full right under that adoption as a member of that family. So if you go from a Hall to a Smith, the moment that you become a Smith, you're fully entitled to all that you have as a Smith. So that means if your dad owned 10 plots of land, you are now, if you are of age, 18 years old, you are now a full legal heir of those, eight, of those plots of land, of all that your dad had. What Paul is saying is, is that we don't have to wait to come into this inheritance. Paul is saying our inheritance was bought at birth. Our inheritance is not willed down to us at death, but our inheritance is bought at birth. And because we are full, legal, standing children of God, we have a right to all that He's promised us. And petitions in prayer, when we come to God and we're persistently requesting from Him, persistently seeking after Him, persistently reminding Him of what He's spoken, it assures Him that we understand who He is in relation to who we are. And we have an understanding of who we are in relation to Him. Because we cannot ask our good Father for good gifts if we don't understand that He's a good Father. And we are not in any position to receive the good gifts if we don't understand that we are rightful heirs. That we didn't have to do anything to earn it. That we didn't have to do anything to deserve it. 
But because of who He is and the price that His Son paid, we are rightful heirs. And as our good Father, He is willing and able to purchase and to give to us the good gifts that we would petition Him for. Jesus said, don't be like the Gentiles and think that because you come and, and, and come and come and come and you've created these lofty, lengthy prayers, the people that Jesus is referring to here would pray what we would call religiously. They would have prayers memorized or they would have prayers written down that they would repeat over and over and over again. What Jesus is saying here is, come to Him with a full heart. Come to Him with an honest heart and come to Him knowing who He is. And understanding what He's done for you and what He's willing to do for you. He said that they think they will be heard because of their many words. What Jesus is saying is we're not heard because of our many words. We're heard because we have a Father who loves us and cares for us deeply. Persistent prayer moves the heart of God. Not because we give Him lots of words, but because it expresses to Him a faith and a trust in who He is. Persistence produces provision. I want to take you to Luke 11. We looked at this story last week in terms of intercessory prayer, but I want to look at it tonight in terms of, of persistent prayer. In Luke 11, verses 5-8, through 8, Jesus again teaching about prayer. And He said to them, Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. The word for impudence here is shamelessness. Or persistence. Have you ever been shameless before God in your prayers? Have you gotten to a point where you're, you feel comfortable being shameless before God? This goes back to what we talked about in our first lesson where we talked about our communion with God and how when we're apart from God and we're distant from Him, we're in a position where we have a hard time being bold with God. If you're away from God and you're distant from God and you're not in a place where you're communing with Him regularly, it's hard to be shameless with God. It's hard to be bold and honest and upfront with God. But when you get to a place where you're communing with God, where you're understanding the relationship that you have, where you're interacting with Him and speaking to Him and allowing Him to speak into your life on a daily or a regular basis, you're shameless with God. You're bold with God. God has invited us to be bold with Him and to be shameless with Him. Jesus said that the friend wouldn't get up because he was a friend. The friend got up because the other friend was shameless. Because the other friend refused to go away. Because the other friend kept on knocking even when he wouldn't come to the door. Even after the first friend said, no, I can't do it. I can't get up. It's not a convenient time right now. My kids are in bed. And I've already laid down for the night and the door is locked. Jesus said that the friend kept knocking. And the friend kept imputing. And the friend kept being shameless. The friend kept hanging out at the door. And Jesus said that it was because of his impudence that the door was opened. The word impudence here also means persistence. It was the persistence of the friend that opened the door. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying there are some doors that don't open on the first knock. There are some doors that don't open on the second knock. 
there are some doors that require persistence. There are doors in our lives that we've given up on because we thought, well, that's not for me because God hasn't opened it yet. When we know, if we got honest with ourselves, that that's what God had for us. We knew that it was God who led us in that direction. We knew that it was God who took us down that path. But we gave up knocking. Why? Because the door wouldn't open. Jesus said it was the persistence that caused the door to open. The friend said no the first time. Have you ever gone back to God after He said, not right now? Have you ever gone back to God after He said, I can't do it? Or I, I, I won't do it right now, not I can't do it. But not right now, or no. Have you ever gone back to God and knocked again? And knocked again and knocked again? Sometimes God wants us to knock again. Sometimes God won't move unless we knock again. Sometimes, and maybe this isn't real... Maybe this doesn't fit real neatly into our, our churchisms, but sometimes God will say no to see if you will knock again. God will say no if you, to, just to see if you will knock again. For those who come to Him must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of them who earnestly seek Him. Earnestly seek after Him. Jesus said the door was locked and the house was shut down, kitchen closed. And the friend said no. I can't come to the door. I have nothing to give you and I won't do it. But the impudence stirred the friend to move. The persistence stirred the friend to move. Your persistence stirs God to move. Your persistence stirs God to move. Why? Because it expresses a reliance in who He is. It expresses an understanding on your behalf. That He is God and that if He would just get up, it will fix whatever you're going through. It tells God that I know I don't have any bread to give to a friend. And I know that I'm in need of some bread right now. And you may not want to get up right now, but if I keep on knocking, if you would just get up, you would move and fix and stir whatever's going on in my situation. Jesus said it was the impudence that caused the friend to move. The shamelessness that caused the friend to move. we got to get shameless with God sometimes. We gotta get persistent with God sometimes. We gotta understand that He's our Father. And sometimes we've just gotta go asking. And sometimes He does say no. And can I tell you, if God really wants it to be a no, He'll let you know. If God really wants it to be a no, He'll make it known. But God is a rewarder of those who persistently pursue Him, who persistently chase after Him. The word because here I thought was interesting. By means of the grounds or reason by which something is or is not done. And I think what I got from this is not necessarily that... I think what I got from this is that persistence can not only be the reason that something does happen, but lack of persistence can be the reason that something does not happen. Jesus is not just saying here that persistence can stir God, but Jesus is saying that lack of persistence can cause you to miss out on God. What was it that the Holy Spirit was saying on Sunday night that there have been folks that have made it to the finish line and have turned around with their toes at the tape because they thought, this isn't for me, or this isn't what God had, or this isn't what God wanted me to pursue. Jesus is saying, if you don't have persistence, you will miss out on some of the things that God has for you. He doesn't leave this as an optional he says, lack of persistence will cause you 
to miss out on some of the things that God has for you. Why does God do it that way? Who knows? He's God and He gets to do it His way. But lack of persistence will cause us to miss out on some of the things that God has for us. How many things have we given up on in our lives individually? In our families? How many dreams and visions have we put on the back burner? How many hopes and callings have we said, well, maybe that wasn't for me. Or maybe that was just my imagination. Or maybe that was just me hoping and wishing. How many of those have we said, those aren't for me? Because we knocked once or twice and the door never opened. Or the door opened a little slower than we thought it should have. We thought God was going to come in and kick the door open. And He creaked it. And He gave us a, a foot to stick in. A toehold. And He expected us to keep knocking until the door finished opening. Church, I think God has got some stuff for us in our lives that He's asking us to keep knocking for. He's got some stuff for this church that He's asking us to keep knocking for. He's saying it's time for us to get shameless before Him. It's time for us to get persistent before Him. It's time for us to, the word came of uh, several weeks ago that said, bring back the dreams and the visions and bring them back to me. Not just the petitions, but bring back the dreams and the visions that I put inside of you. Because He wants us to pursue after the things that He's put in us. Because He's a good Father. And He doesn't put stuff in us just to get us all excited and let us down. If God's stirring in us, it's for a reason. If God's stirring in our hearts, it's for a reason. It's because He wants to do something. And Jesus said, sometimes we miss out on that something because we lack persistence. We lack shamelessness. We lack the wherewithal to say, I'm going to just keep knocking. And who knows what will happen? What was it David said? When his son was sick. And um, they said, your son's dying. Get up and eat something. And put on some clothes. And take off the sackcloth. And quit praying. They said, why are you doing all that? And he said, because who knows? I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And who knows? Maybe God will heal my son. Maybe he'll move. I don't know. But all I know is I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do. Let's do what we can do. Who knows what God wants to do? Who knows how He wants to move and when and where He wants to move and what He's wanting to release into our lives and into this house and into this city and our jobs and our families. But let's do our part. Let's be people that say, who knows what God will do. But I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep knocking until I get a firm no or I'm going to keep knocking until I get a yes. I'm going to be shameless because it's my part. My part is to be persistent and He'll take care of the rest. Because he's a good father. Jesus goes on. This is the same chapter. Same teaching. Jesus still teaching about prayer. This is one of... The section that we just read is one of two main parables that Jesus tells on prayer. And then he spends the next five verses in Luke 11 clarifying and giving further context to what he's saying. In Luke 11, 9 through 10, he says, And I tell you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. The word for ask here is to ask, to beg, to call, to crave, desire, require. I think that's interesting. The word seek here is to seek in order to find. What the author here is saying, what this word is saying, is this is not a, this is not a random mission. 
This is not the kind of seeking I do when I look for stuff around the house before I yell for Lauren's help. This is the kind of seeking where I'm set out and I'm determined. I'm going to find exactly what I'm looking for and I'm not going to quit seeking until I find it. And the word for knock here is to knock with heavy blows, to knock with the knuckles. Another word is repetitious knocking, to knock and to knock and to knock. I like the King James Version here because in the King James Version in verse 10 it says, For everyone who asketh receiveth, and the one who seeketh Findeth, and the one who knocketh, it'll be opened unto him. If you've been in this house very long, you know that that ETH on the back of a word in the King James transliteration, it literally means to do over and over and over and over and over again. This is the same story that Jesus tells in Matthew 7 7. What's he saying? He's saying sometimes you ask and receive, sometimes you seek and find, and sometimes you knock and it's open. But all of the time when you asketh, you receive. And all of the time when you seeketh, you find. And all of the time when you knocketh, it's open to you. See, we're good at asking. We're not good at the asketh part. We're good at seeking, but seeketh is hard for us. And knocking can come easy for us, but knocketh is something that troubles us. And it's something that bothers us. But he knows that it bothers us. The Bible says that he understands that we are but flesh. He understands that we've got emotions and that we've got feelings and that we've got all this junk that we're dealing with and we're fighting every day. But he said, ask and you shall receive. And if you don't ask and receive, asketh. Asketh. Are we people that are asking over and over and over again? Jesus is clarifying his story here. This is just a couple verses after he's talking about the friend who was persistent. Jesus is saying something about persistence here. He's saying, he's trying to hammer home the point that there are times in this life, more often than not, your prayer answers in this life will not come from a one-off prayer. More often than not in this life, your answers will not come because you stopped in at lunch and spent five minutes telling God about what you needed for the week. Our prayers don't come like that. I wish they would. It'd be a lot easier if they would. It'd be a lot easier if I could just drop in and tell God. But Jesus is hammering home a point here. He's saying if you're going to have any success in your prayer life, it's going to be because you're persistent. It's going to be because you're a people who are shameless. It's going to be because you're a people who asketh and seeketh and knocketh and continue doing those things until the things that God has promised begin to fulfill themselves in your life. We have given up on the repeatedness of prayer. We've gotten to a place where we said, for whatever reason, if it doesn't come quickly, then it's not coming at all. And I think part of it is, I think part of it's my generation's fault. I think part of it is we've gotten so advanced technologically. We've gotten so advanced communication-wise. We've got things like 5G networks that allow us to talk to people around the world in a moment's notice. And we can pull up video chats from China and we can instantly upload information and download information. And we become the instantaneous gratification generation. And we've gotten so excited about the instantaneous, we've forgotten about persistence. We've forgotten that in the kingdom, things don't work that way. That in the kingdom, sometimes you got to press in and press through and press on. But there is a reward for those 
Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asketh, receiveth. He's promised that if you keep on asking, that He'll show up. That if you keep on seeking, that He'll show up. That if you keep on knocking, that He'll show up. But He's also said, if you give up asking, there's an opportunity for you to miss it. And if you give up seeking, that there's an opportunity for you to miss it. Let's not be a people that give up. I said it on Sunday. Our mission is too great for us to fail. Our mission for our families, for our kids, for our husbands and our wives, for our co-workers, for our church, for this city and for this region are too important to fail. And I don't want to get to the other side and hear you were this close. You were this close and you gave up asking. You were this close and you gave up seeking. You were this close and you gave up knocking. I was ready to open the door, but you quit knocking. I was ready to answer, but you quit asking. And I was ready to show myself, but you quit seeking. He's calling us to be people that refuse to give up. Calling us to be people that refuse to give in. And it's countercultural, and it's weird, and it's different from society, but it's who He's called us to be. Called us to be people that are unashamed to continually go knocking after Him. Why? Because it takes humility. It takes humility to go to the God of creation and say, I'm asking you for this thing. And I don't even really know if you're going to answer. I don't know if it's what you have for me or not. But all I know is my job is to keep asking. And to keep seeking. And to keep knocking. And I'm just going to trust in your graciousness. That whatever it is that you have for me. Or for us. Or for them or whatever. That you're going to deliver exactly what it is that we need. Jesus said, for everyone who asketh, receiveth. And seeketh, findeth, knocketh, it is open unto them. And he goes on, Luke 11, verse 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, oops, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? In Luke, he says Holy Spirit. In Matthew, I think it is, he just says good gifts. To them who ask. What's Jesus saying here? He's going back to the primary principle. Establishing that prayer is rooted first, foremost, always in the person of the Father. Prayer is rooted in the person and the personality of the Father. And Jesus depicts Him here in the most earthly terms that we can conceive. He depicts Him as a good Father who gives good gifts to His children who ask. And He he counteracts that or he juxtaposes that with us who are by comparison evil. No doubt when Jesus is saying this, there are good fathers standing around. Good earthly fathers standing around. Good earthly fathers who would never deliberately or intentionally give their kids bad gifts. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying if you could perceive how much more, how much exponentially more good of a father you have who is willing, and not just willing, but able to give good gifts into your life, you would understand that there is nothing that you can come to him with that he will not receive from you as a request. 
Paul said in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously, or one translation says freely, with him give us all things? Paul understood God's position as a good father. He understood that the father is a good father first and foremost to his children. And that as a father, he gives good gifts to his children who ask. Who ask. Jesus said you got to ask if you want the good gifts. God is not going to read your mind and understand from reading your mind what you need and do it for you. James said you have not because you ask not. We've got to ask. We've got to be people that ask shamelessly, who ask brashly, who ask boldly, who come to the throne of grace for mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Boldly, because that's the way He's called us to come. People that are, are, are unashamed, shameless when coming to the Father. He said He's a good Father and He gives good gifts. But the good gifts are to those who ask. To those who ask. I'll take you to Luke 18. This is Jesus' other parable that he tells about prayer. Can I just point out, Jesus has two main parables that he tells about prayer. And in both the parables, both parables deal with persistence. Both of them. One of them deals with intercession and persistence. The other one deals with a personal request and persistence. I think Jesus is trying to say something about persistence in prayer. I think Jesus is trying to explain to us that persistence, whether we like it or not, it is just a fact of prayer. It's just a fact. So in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, Jesus says, the Bible says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not to lose heart. Jesus establishes for us the purpose of this parable, that we would always pray and not lose heart. He doesn't mince his words here. The Bible doesn't mince words. The purpose of the parable is that we would always pray. Always. Continually. That we would always pray and not lose heart. Because it's easy to lose heart in prayer. It's easy to give up in prayer. It's easy to turn away in prayer. It's easy to lay it down and not pray about it anymore. Jesus said, this parable is so that you will understand you've got to continue praying. And don't lose heart while you continue praying. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. See what he's doing again? He's setting up the juxtaposition here of the goodness of our Father versus the corruptness of humans. A judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city. Widows in this time were some of the lowest class people. Because they weren't allowed to own property. They weren't allowed to own businesses. They weren't allowed really to have hardly any possessions. Most of the time widows didn't have, if you were a widow, a lot of times you wouldn't have uh, an heir, a son. So you really had no source of income. Widows were pretty helpless. So he said there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, King James says, Troubleth, I will give her justice, 
so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? This kind of faith. The faith that cries day and night. The faith that refuses to leave the judge alone. The faith that refuses to leave God alone. The word for keep bothering me here is to reach forth, to offer, and I like this one, show or present oneself. you got to be present in prayer if you want God to move on your behalf. You got to be present in prayer. That means you got to take some time to get away. You got to take some time to get alone. You got to take some time to dedicate it to prayer. God is waiting for people that will show themselves present in prayer. He's waiting for people that will present themselves before Him, crying out day and night for protection and for justice and to be avenged from their adversary. He says, The word cry here is to raise a cry, to speak with a strong voice, to implore for aid, to beg, to plead, to keep crying out. And the word justice here is to vindicate one's right, to do justice, to protect, to defend, to avenge a thing. So in Luke 11, we saw that the persistence of the prayer produced a provision in the life of the person. It produced uh, uh, God providing something, a need. Here we see that persistence provides protection. I would, I would offer you that most of our petitions on this, in this life are going to come in the form of a provision or protection. Most of our petitions are going to come because we need God to give us something, to provide something, or we need protection, which I think you could call protection or provision also. But Jesus is showing here the answer to our two forms of petition our persistence. Persistence results in the answers to our two forms of petition. Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. Again, we see because. Same word here. It's the reason for or the reason that something doesn't happen. Because this woman keeps bothering me, troubling me. I will give her justice. So that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice, vengeance, vindication to protect, to defend, to avenge a thing? Will God not do that for his elect who cry to him day and night? He doesn't promise vengeance or protection or avenging For all of the elect, he says for the elect who cry to him day and night. For those who continually and repetitively cry out to him. For those who refuse to give up. For those who continually come after him and say, God, remember what you have spoken. Remember what you have promised. I go back to Isaiah 62. It's one of my favorite verses. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. God says in Isaiah 62 that he has set watchmen upon the wall. He's talking to Isaiah prophetically. He said, I've set watchmen up on the wall that they would, they would give me no rest. Let them give me no rest until what I have promised is fulfilled. God has implored us to give Him no rest. He has required us to be persistent with Him. He has 
demanded that if we want answers in this life, it is more often than not going to come through persistent prayer. Communion with God is incredible. And it positions us to receive revelation from Him. And it creates a bond with Him. And faith we know moves things. And intercession is a call, but persistence is the bow that wraps it all up. Persistence is what moves God and stirs God and causes God to be, to be moved on our behalf. Not that, we're, not that we're manipulating God, but we're allowing God to do what He wants to do. He says, will God give justice to the elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? Sometimes it feels like He delays long. I can tell you He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? This kind of faith. The kind of faith that says, I'm not going to quit praying until God moves. I got one more for you. Persistence results in strong, effective prayers. This is probably one of the most popular verses, maybe in the whole New Testament. But it's um, especially when it comes to prayer. James 5.16 The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And I know most of you in here know this because you're the, you're the Bible scholars of the, of the church. But I want to go over it. The effectual fervent here is to be operative. To be at work. To put forth power. To display one's activity. This goes back to what we were looking at in the, the previous verse. To present oneself. In other words, God doesn't say that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He says that the operative prayer of a righteous man. The prayer that is at work of a righteous man availeth much. Your prayers have got to go to work. Sometimes you've got to go to work in prayer to get things moving in your circumstance. He says the, that the operative at work prayer availeth much. The word availeth here is to be strong, to have strength to overcome, to have power. Power is shown by extraordinary deeds, to be a force to be serviceable. So when our prayers are at work, our prayers are powerful. And when our prayers are at work, our prayers are strong and they have extra extraordinary power when they are at work. And finally, it says the word much here is just many, much, large. But James is saying that not every prayer is a strong prayer. And not every prayer produces much. But prayers that are working are strong prayers. Prayers that are working produce much. Prayers that are showing themselves before God. Did you know your prayers come up before God? The Bible says that your prayers come up before God. God sees your prayers. He doesn't just hear your prayers. God sees your prayers. They come up before God. It says that our prayers that show themselves, that present themselves before God are strong and effective prayers. I, uh, I ended with persistence for this class because I, want, I wanted to give you something to run on for a little bit. I, I wanted to give you something to go with for a little bit. Because I think we get so discouraged sometimes by the lack of movement in our lives or our circumstances or our situations. It's easy to look at something that we've been praying over for Five days, five weeks, five years, 25 years, and say it's not coming. But God has promised 
And he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. And he who began a good work in you is faithful to see it unto completion. And I want to encourage you tonight. I hope this class has been challenging. I hope this class has been something that stirs you. But I hope it encourages you. I want to encourage you tonight to be persistent in your prayers. Whatever you're praying over. Because God has promised in His Word that if we are persistent, it causes things to move. Because our persistence expresses a dependency on who He is. Our persistence does not move God because our prayers are good enough. Or because our prayers are long enough. Or our prayers are righteous enough. Our persistence moves God because we keep telling God over and over. You're the only way. You're the only way it's going to move. You're the only way it's going to break. You're the only way those kids are coming home. You're the only way my finances are getting straightened out. You're the only way my family's getting its act together. Persistence stirs the heart of God. And when we are persistent, He moves on our behalf. Stand with me and I want to pray with you before I leave. Thank you for listening to today's Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you'd like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.